Leapers. Written and read by TJ Tooley. Part 7 January 12th, 2020 The time had finally come for Jesse and Carson's first out-of-coffee-shop date night. They met at Carson's dad's apartment, and she could not be more excited. They had missed the January application deadline, but she had already accepted that it would have been a long shot. Her Hail Mary goal was to get Carson to apply at the February deadline and she would do whatever it takes to get him there. Still, she wanted to make his process special. This was the son of one of her heroes. Her story was so cool that she wanted to give Carson a chance to live it out himself, to literally and figuratively follow in her footsteps. After the grand tour, Carson and Jesse started digging through boxes of his father's files. She knew what she was looking for, Anything with the name Stuart Kelly on it would be a start. A page from one of her journals would be even better. After an hour or so, Jessie wanted to speed up the process. Her mother had all of Kelly's journals except for a handful of pages that had been ripped out. She figured Carson would have those, but she was not finding any, and he had not told her about them. Perhaps he just needed a push. She quietly and carefully pulled a page out of her purse and slid it into her box. Whoa, Carson, you have to check this out. It looks like a diary or journal entry. Stuart Kelly, do you know who that is? She tried to get him to connect the dots, but he swung and missed. My mom's name was Kelly, but I don't know anybody named Stuart. She helped him look around for more pages like it, but eventually the clock struck 3 a.m. and she had to get some sleep. She planned to sleep at one of the many apartments the Beckham family owned around the city for nights out. Carson awkwardly reached out for a handshake before Jesse went in for a one-armed side hug. We'll work on that, Jesse said while holding back laughter. Good night. Isaac saw an alert pop up on his screen. One of the dummy websites he had created to find others looking into the secret order had been accessed and somebody was interacting with one of his bots. He smiled when he saw who it was. Well, well, brother. Like fate, you seem to have found me again. Isaac sent an email hiding his address and setting a timer before it deleted itself. He would be veiled in mystery. He tried to think of a clever name to give himself, 
He thought about telling him that he was the guy who helped him take down Harold Gardner, but he decided against it. It would be more impactful if he told him in person. He ultimately decided on the name Order Seeker and hit send. Carson requested a meeting to discuss the Stuart Kelly journals and the secret organization. Isaac sent him instructions on how to find his storage unit and told him to tell nobody why he was there. Look at us, Dad. Aren't you proud of me? I did what you asked. We will meet officially tomorrow, brother. Sleep well. January 13th, 2020 Isaac watched as Carson entered the storage facility. He brought somebody with him? How could he? This was supposed to be their secret meeting. Who was this girl he had with him? He barely trusted that Carson had no bad intentions. This girl could be the cause of his downfall. She could be secretly working for Gardner Industries. This is why I set my trap. He put on a white bandana and sunglasses to disguise his face and grabbed his gun. At exactly 12.45, Carson knocked on the unit across from the secret entrance. Isaac snuck up behind them and cocked his gun. Don't freaking move! Hands in the air! Both of you! Isaac searched them, including checking their IDs. To his confusion, he knew the girl. Jesse Ford? He thought to himself. How do you two know each other? He had not seen her since his embarrassing trip up to Beckham Manor. He started to panic. They knew the gardeners. They were probably connected. He was right to be worried about her. He locked her in the empty storage unit and escorted Carson inside his house at gunpoint. Once they were inside, he introduced himself as Order Seeker. My assumption that you were Order Seeker is the only reason you are still conscious, Carson said while clearly trying to hide his anger. Carson explained who Jesse was to him and how she had helped him with his research. Isaac found this to be particularly interesting. Was she helping him join this organization? It didn't sound like Carson had the same visit from their father that Isaac had received. Maybe he knew more than Carson, and he had to learn it in a certain way. Deciding that he needed to know what was going on, he told Carson to let Jesse out of the storage unit. Jesse was terrified. She had never been held at gunpoint before or locked in a cold, pitch-black storage unit. To her relief, Carson let her out, and she let herself cry into his shoulder. Once she had regained her breath and started to calm down, Carson told her that the man who locked her in the unit was, in fact, Order Seeker. She had assumed as much, but she was still a bit scared of him and angry, too. She was led into his apartment, which she might have enjoyed more if she was not furious with this mysterious man. Jesse, this is Order Seeker. Order Seeker, this is my partner, Jesse Ford. It's nice to meet you, Jesse said as she walked over to him with her hand reached out to shake his. Nice to meet... Jesse surprised the man with a slap from her left hand that was so hard he fell to the ground, wincing in pain. That's for locking me up! Jesse felt a rush of adrenaline. Her hand stung a little bit, but she tried not to let it show. As the stranger got to his feet, she felt like she recognized him from somewhere. Maybe he was a customer at the shop. Isn't that right, Jesse? Carson asked. Jesse realized that she had been spacing off and offered a shrug and a head nod. You know who we are, so we get to know who you are or no dice, Carson said firmly. That's acceptable, the man said as he sat across from them. I have had many names in my life, 
but the one I was given at birth is Isaac. Isaac! The name rang in her head like an alarm bell. A strange kid named Isaac who was good with technology and had information about the order? This couldn't be a coincidence, could it? She listened as Isaac finished telling them his life story. That's a great story and all, but I don't really care about your tragic childhood, Jesse said in a harsher tone than she meant. That's fair, he replied as he typed away at his computer. Tell me, Miss Ford, was it? Does your boyfriend know all of the juicy details of your backstory? I mean, he seems to be at your beck and call. Maybe I should tell him. Jesse glared at him. She heard the not-so-subtle emphasis when he said Beck and, almost like he said Beckham. The way he said it seemed like a threat. Did he know who she was? Did he guess correctly that she had not told Carson who her family was? Moreover, how did he know who she was and why that would be significant? That's when it hit her. She had seen Isaac before. He was in my house! It felt like a lifetime ago, but she definitely remembered welcoming him into her family home. He knows who I am because he knows me. But why is he playing it as if he doesn't know me? Is this for Carson's benefit? If Harold was doing his job, Isaac should be starting a pledging period, too. She remembered voting to allow him to start. Jesse knew she needed to see how much Isaac knew about the order and hopefully learn how far along in his process he was. This would be tricky, not letting Carson know that they knew each other, but so far, so good. For the next hour or so, the boys talked about their theories. Isaac presented valid reasons for not trusting Carson completely. He was, after all, the son of two parents who had wreaths on their graves. As he said, If your parents were involved, you would think you would have known from a young age and basically joined by now, right? He's got a point, Jesse said while trying not to grin. She and Carson should have had very similar upbringings, but instead, he had more in common with this Isaac person. The three read all of the Stuart Kelly journal pages they had found. Jesse pretended to recognize Harold Gardner as the man who punched Carson and suggested interrogating him to see how Isaac would react. We know he's in the order thing, so why not just confront him? She asked, feigning excitement. You and I could try that, Isaac said as he continued to look over the new journal pages. Carson here would never make it to the gates of Gardner Manor. Damn, Jesse thought. What an annoyingly good answer to give. She knew the lead was dead. Oh well, she thought. Now I can proceed with my plan for Carson and maybe drag Isaac along and see how he reacts to being back at Beckham Manor. Maybe he would be recognized by others like Nigel. His memory was incredible. What about Joseph's lovely wife from our journal page, Carson? Jesse asked while holding up the page. Do you think that may be Gwendolyn? Could be, he said as he looked at both names. It's worth a shot. Carson showed Isaac all of the pictures he and his father had collected of headstones with the mysterious black wreaths on them. He was impressed. Jesse felt confident that he had not seen those before. After consulting his spreadsheet, Carson announced the possible names. So there are at least nine possible Josephs that my father documented. If we assume Gwendolyn was his wife, I can eliminate five because they were buried with their spouses. That leaves Joseph Craig, Joseph Maisel, Joseph Beckham, and Joseph Montgomery. We will have to research each man to see who their spouses are and see if I can find one that married a Gwendolyn. 
Jessie caught Isaac sneering at her. She knew he could use this as an opportunity to out her to Carson. It was too early for him to learn the truth. Her plan was so close to working, she could not risk it now. We could split up the list, Jessie suggested quickly. Divide and conquer, you know? Alphabetically, Beckham's first. I'll take him. Jessie caught Isaac, pretending to tip his cap sarcastically. What was his plan? The three started researching their respective Josephs. Jessie, of course, knew exactly who she was looking for. She never really knew her great-grandfather, Joseph Beckham. He died when she was still fairly young. Her own grandfather, Joseph Beckham II, was always the patriarch or head of the Beckham household when she grew up. It was funny to her, hearing about her Gigi like she was a mythical character in an adventure book, but to Carson, she was. To his mother, she had been too. After preparing a presentation that carefully avoided mentioning her or her own mom, she got the boy's attention. Joseph William Beckham was born on January 7, 1918, at his family ranch upstate. He comes from a long, proud line of Beckhams that helped build the very paper you work for from the ground up. He was a well-known businessman until his death in 2015. If you look here, Jesse said while opening a second tab, you will see that Mr. Beckham was married to one Gwendolyn Eve Scott. Gwendolyn, holy crap. Holy crap is right, Carson, but wait, there's more. More? he asked skeptically. More, as in, she's still alive. Jesse pulled up an article from the previous August. Mrs. Gwendolyn Beckham celebrated 97 years of life at the historic Beckham estate. No obit for her? Carson asked, sounding more and more excited by the second. Nope, Jesse said excitedly. We should pay her a visit. You said it yourself. We can't go to Gardner right now. I think you know this is our next move. When Isaac re-entered the room, Carson told him their plans to visit Beckham Manor in the morning. Jesse locked eyes with Isaac. He managed to hide any emotions he was feeling, but she could tell his mind was working very quickly. Tomorrow? Can't. Family thing. But if you do go, you have to tell me everything you find out. Jesse smiled to herself. The best he could come up with was a family thing. She knew Carson would see through the BS as well. Part of her was relieved. She was going to get an entire day trip with Carson up to her family home where she would hopefully have him start his pledging period. Tomorrow could not come fast enough. January 14th, 2020 The next morning, Jesse ran to the street in front of the coffee shop and jumped in the passenger seat of Carson's rental car. She asked Carson if he had told his boss where he was going. She knew her Uncle Wentz already knew her plans, but she was curious as to what he told him. I told him I was going to sit down with the future mayor's mother and sister. What he doesn't know is I already interviewed them last week on a phone call and scheduled a follow-up for next week. She remembered him telling her about the mayoral candidate that took the city by storm. She was impressed with him and also found it funny that Carson was assigned a story about somebody who would likely be in his leap class. Jesse navigated them out of the city as they headed upstate. She always loved the drive. The trees and the picturesque hills were home to her. Unfortunately, she had not slept much the night before due to how nervous she was, so she was running on fumes. You can take a nap, you know. I really don't mind, Carson said. Clearly, her state of sleepiness was visible. She closed her eyes and fell fast asleep. Isaac was nervous as he knocked on the front door of Harold Garner's office. 
He had scheduled an appointment with him at his mansion, pretending he wanted to apologize for breaking the rules that got him fired. His real plan was to confront him about the secret organization, learn as much as he could about the order, and see what it takes to be one of the so-called leapers. Times had hit the gardeners hard with all of Harold's court cases and settlements. All of his security and houseworkers had been let go. Sit down, Isaac, Harold said. He sounded annoyed. Why was this so urgent that we had to meet right now? I had to cancel a meeting for this. Isaac knew that this was not true. He still had access to all of Harold's calendars. He had not met with anybody in months. The company was quickly dying, but Harold tried to keep the appearance of being busy. Before I was let go, somebody tried to hack into your personal server. They didn't leave much of a trail, but a few keywords popped up. Order, leaper, secret, confidential. The problem is, I have no idea what they were looking for, so I thought I would ask you so I can know how to counter their attacks. Harold stood up and poured himself a glass of whiskey. Not a great sign to Isaac, as it was 10 a.m. Anything you can tell me about what they were looking for will help me, he pressed on. Oh, cut the crap, Isaac, Harold growled. You and I both know you're full of it. I guess you figured it out, you sneaky creep. Isaac was taken aback. I don't know what you're talking about. I just want- Cut the crap! Isaac ducked as Harold threw his full glass at his head. Isaac stood up and started slowly backing towards the door. I guess I'll leave you to it then. Harold suddenly lunged forward and pinned Isaac to the wall with his forearm. Isaac could smell the alcohol in his breath. You were never going to make it, he yelled, bashing Isaac's head against the wall with every sentence. You aren't worthy of this honor. You getting this far is a disgrace to everything I believe in. Get the hell out of my face. Don't let me see you here again. In a panic, Isaac ran out of the door. He went straight home in a rage, ready to plan his revenge. Carson and Jesse were being led to the yellow room in Beckham Manor. Jessie had enjoyed watching Carson's face as he took in everything for the first time. She hoped today would be perfect. She had coached her whole family on what to expect while they were there. They were to pretend they did not know her or Carson. They could not talk about the order or his parents. She was nervous, but she was confident that things would go well when her whole family was home. But the tricky part was coming up now. She was not sure how much her Gigi had been listening when she told them the plan. It was admittedly late, and she had been woken up to hear everything. Hopefully she remembered the important parts. This is where you will be meeting Mrs. Beckham, Nigel said as he ushered them into the room. Tea will be served. Please do not begin eating the biscuits until Mrs. Beckham determines it is time. Sir? Madam? Of course. Thank you, Nigel, Jessie said as the old man bowed and exited the room. Nigel? How did you know his name? Carson asked, looking completely bewildered. Shit, Jesse thought as she saw the wheels turning in Carson's head. I can't blow this now. Think, think. The valet boy said it when he took the keys. Didn't you catch it? It was a weak lie, but it would have to do. She wasn't sure if Carson bought it, but she couldn't worry about that right now. When Gwendolyn was escorted into the room, she and Carson stood up to meet her. It's not every day I get to ask to interview for the papers, she said in a shaky voice. Mr. James, correct? Yes, ma'am, Carson said as he held out a hand for her to shake. Thank you so much for agreeing to meet with me. Of course, my dear boy, she said as she sat down across from them. The ornate chair back framed her perfectly. 
She looked over to Jessie. And you are a photographer now? Gigi doesn't remember. Crap. Gotta think fast. Jessie Ford, yes ma'am, Jessie said quickly as she reached out and shook Gwendolyn's hand. You have a lovely home. She felt Carson's eyes on her. She prayed he would just move on and start asking questions. The interview went well, and Carson introduced the real reason they were there. He showed her the Stuart Kelly journal pages. Gigi answered the questions perfectly, just like Jessie had asked. She even remembered to ask Jessie to stay back while Carson investigated the office. She was confident that he would find the secret room, but if he didn't, she would lead him to it. She really hoped that Carson would follow his mother's footsteps as much as possible. Isaac was pissed. His head was throbbing. A bump was forming where Harold had repeatedly hit him against the wall. Harold was an asshole, and he would make him pay. Pay for how he treated him when he was an employee, for making him earn his respect by being a secret runner, for hiring men to take him out when he had leaked secrets that landed him in legal trouble, and for denying him the opportunity to learn more about his father and denying him the access to the secret organization he felt he deserved to join. I probably have a concussion, Harold. Thanks, you asshole. Isaac sat at his computer and rubbed his head. When he looked at his palm, he saw blood. You will pay for this, old man. I will make you pay for everything. He pulled the picture of Carson out of his pocket, where he had started carrying it every day for the last few months. If we are going to be a family, Carson, I have to do this. I can't have anybody standing in our way. You deserve a better order than whatever Harold can offer you. The world will be better off without him. I'll show you. I'll take care of everything. For you. He hacked into Harold's mansion security system. You see, Carson, when the house security system is armed, lockdown protocols are engaged. This will lock him inside while I trigger a system overload, which will spark an electrical fire, sending him and his whole life up in flames. Oh, and don't worry about the others. All of the remaining gardeners have been living in other places since the start of Harold's legal troubles, and Harold is too broke now to keep any workers. It's just him in his oversized casket. Harold will die a painful death all alone for the rest of our lives, Carson. We won't ever have to deal with this man again. Isn't it great? He hacked into the mansion security cameras and watched Harold stumble around his office and eventually up the stairs where he passed out on his bed. Perfect. Isaac smiled at himself as he armed the security system. Goodbye, Harold, and good riddance. Isaac thought about sitting back and enjoying the outcome of his work from afar, but he had a better plan, one that would bring Carson and himself closer together. He grabbed a trench coat and a notepad and headed to the train station. It would not be long before the news breaks and Carson inevitably sprints to the mansion. Hopefully, while they are there, he can see if Carson learned anything while upstate. Jessie sat with Gwendolyn and enjoyed her tea. She caught her up on where they were in her planned process. Nigel brought a tablet to them where they could watch the live feed from the security cameras in the office. They watched him fumble around, checking possible hiding spots, some more obvious than others. He reminds me of Kelly, Gwendolyn said with a proud smile on her face. She was always like a grandchild to me. I was so sad when she passed. Jessie put her arm around her, and the two smiled at each other. I'm glad we can tell each other everything, Gigi. More time passed as Carson looked around the room. 
Eventually, Jesse saw him go for it. He started looking over every book on the shelves. Come on, Carson. You can do this. Eventually, he found the book titled I, the Leaper and pulled the hidden lever. Jesse could not help but smile. He was doing it. Her plan was working. Carson was following in his mother's footsteps and would soon learn everything. The truth would come out, he would join the family for dinner, and he would have the next two weeks to make his application look as good as possible. She watched as Carson found the cabinet, then began searching through the files. Come on, Carson, I put it right in front of your face. He finally found the file labeled Stuart that she had placed there several nights before. Jesse and Gwendolyn continued watching as he read page after page from the journal. As she had planned, the instructions on how to apply fell out of the notebook, and Carson took notice of it immediately. Everything was falling into place. They quickly reset and had the tablet removed when Carson began walking back to the yellow room. Thanks for all your help with this, Gigi. Of course, my dear. We found the notebook, Carson announced as he entered the room. That's wonderful, my boy, Gwendolyn said with a smile. Have you read it? Not yet. I wanted to read it for the first time with you, if you wanted to reread it, ma'am. Jesse found this life to be peculiar. Why pretend to have not flipped through the pages? Perhaps he was scared to admit he saw the instructions page. Oh, that's quite all right, Gwendolyn responded. You can borrow it. Just promise me you will bring it back soon. Good save, Jesse thought. If Carson was uncomfortable reading the journal in front of her, then for Jesse's plan to work, he would have to take it with him. As Jesse was about to stand up and join him, Carson's phone rang. He apologized and took the call in the hallway. When he returned, he looked white as a ghost. Is everything all right? She asked with a worried look on her face. No, I... I'm sorry, I need to go, Carson said as he quickly packed his bag and camera. What do you mean? Go where? What happened? Jesse was really starting to worry. Carson held out the journal and placed it in Jesse's outstretched hands. Take it. I can't deal with this right now. Mrs. Beckham, I am so sorry to leave so suddenly. My partner will have to wrap up with you. He pulled out his wallet and pulled out all of the cash he had and set the bills on top of the journal. Here, this should cover your ride home. I'm sorry. Without a look back, he sprinted through the doors, leaving Jesse behind, hurt and confused. Jessie broke down. All of the stress and emotions she had been pushing down while she focused on her relationship with Carson boiled over. How could he just leave me like that? Does he even think of us as friends? Gwendolyn stayed with her in the yellow room until dinner was served. Jessie was not hungry. She did not want to eat. This was supposed to be a meal with Carson as her new pledging period guardianship. Instead, it was just another family dinner. Her grandfather was called away by Nigel unexpectedly. He took the phone call in his study and returned, looking somber. Harold is dead. What? Harold? How? I don't know what happened, but Gardner Manor is on fire, and he was stuck inside. The leadership is going to call a meeting to discuss how to proceed. I won't be home for a while. Apologies, Mother. I will miss the rest of dinner. Good night. Jesse wondered if that was the call Carson had received. If it was, why not tell her? Harold was someone they were both looking into with Isaac. As she began to wonder where Carson was and what he was doing, she started crying once more. Isaac watched Carson pull up to the scene in his rental car. He was later than Isaac had expected. 
Since he had so much time to kill, Isaac had taken it upon himself to impersonate a reporter for the Times covering while Carson was finishing up a big interview. He even found time to do brief interviews with a policeman, a bystander, and a firefighter who was taking a break. When Carson saw him, he made a beeline straight for him. What the hell are you doing here? he demanded. Ah, hello, Mr. James. Boss man sent me to cover the story until you could get here. Carson pushed him against the truck. Don't start. Tell me why you're here now. Isaac explained what he had done, but omitted certain details, like his first trip to the manor earlier that day. After sharing some jokes, Carson took Isaac's notepad and told him to go home. Isaac knew he had an unfortunate date with his boss coming up. He would watch it through the security feeds. But this was good progress. He was gaining Carson's trust. Perhaps they could truly be family soon. January 22nd, 2020 Carson had not answered any of Jessie's messages or calls for days. She was angry with him and chose to stop reaching out herself. He had hurt her. He was going to have to do much more than call her or send an apology text anyway. She complained about Carson at dinner with her mother for what must have been multiple meals in a row. You have real feelings for this boy. I can't say I understand why, but you like him. As more than a guardian, as more than a friend. I'm not sold on him, and this definitely hurts his chances in my book, but I don't like him like that. I'm just annoyed that all of my hard work for my first guardianship has been ruined. Sure, Jessie, her mother said while shaking her head. You keep telling yourself that. Jessie was frustrated. She knew her mother was right, but she did not want to admit it. Uncle Wentz suspended him, you know, Jessie said. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess he showed up to the funeral and saw a leaper placing the wreath on his grave. Then he showed it to Uncle Wentz. He's been mad at him for how he treated me anyway, so he yelled at him and pretended to suspend him for chasing a story he told him not to look into. I guess he thought it would make him look into it more, but now the suspension is supposed to help me finish my guardianship with him. I can have his undivided attention for the next two weeks. That's great. Has he reached out to you yet? Nope. But even if he does, I won't answer. He owes me more than a phone call or a message. He can apologize to my face. Isaac was surprised to see Carson pounding on his storage unit door. What brings you by this late evening, he thought as he zoomed his security camera in on his face. He buzzed him in and heard the sound of Carson walking into his apartment. When he rounded the corner, he looked frazzled. Have you heard from Jesse? Carson asked as he started pacing around the office. No, I figured you two would have seen each other more recently than I would have. I kind of messed up. She won't talk to me. Isaac was confused. What was her play? She had just taken him to her family home. Why keep up the facade? Carson sat and stared at Isaac for what felt like several minutes. His leg was shaking. His face looked angry. Isaac met his gaze and stared back, trying to read him. What can you tell me about the gardener fire? Carson asked. Isaac pulled up what information he could find on the internet and read it out loud to Carson. Well, let's see, he said as he turned his monitor towards Carson. Looks like the security system may have malfunctioned. Definitely an electrical circuit malfunction. I can't tell you too much more without being there. I see, Carson said as his gaze intensified. What do you see? Isaac asked. He was trying to stay calm, but he did not like Carson's tone or his implications, correct as they may be. 
Is there something you want to ask me, Carson? Isaac wasn't sure if Carson was going to assault him or not. Eventually, with a look of resentment, Carson walked towards the door. I better get going, he said with a tone of disgust. As he left, Isaac began to feel hurt and annoyed. He wanted to be closer to Carson, not have him hate him or mistrust him more. In one last desperate shot, he yelled after him, Don't trust her, Carson! Don't say I didn't warn you when you learn her secrets and this all comes back to bite you! As he watched Carson storm away, he screamed with frustration and threw his chair against the wall. If you cost me, Carson, I'll bring your world down too, Jesse. You better hope this can be fixed. January 25th, 2020 Jesse! Carson burst through the doors of the coffee shop. Jesse couldn't help but smile when she saw his smiling face. Carson, hi, what are you... Is everything okay? As the shock of seeing him wore off, she remembered how annoyed she was with him. I have something crazy to tell you, he said as he was catching his breath. But first, I owe you so many apologies. Yeah, you really do, she said flatly. Do you have a few minutes so we can talk, he asked. She stared at him for several seconds, trying to decide how she felt. Eventually, she decided she would hear him out. I'll give you five minutes, she said as she walked out from behind the counter. Ryan, I'm taking a five-minute break. She followed him to a booth by the window and sat across from him. Okay, so first of all, thanks for talking to me. After all the crap I pulled, I wouldn't have been surprised if you didn't want to even see me. Second, I really do want to apologize. I never should have left you at Gwendolyn's. I can give you a bunch of excuses about how I was scared about losing my job and that I panicked and I went into cold, heartless reporter mode, but at the end of the day, I abandoned my friend and may have lost her forever. I really hope I didn't. Jessie was feeling a mixture of emotions. She was still angry with him, but she felt happy to be with him again. He was apologizing, but she wasn't sure if it would be enough. She felt tears swelling in her eyes, but tried to hide them. I also owe you several apologies for ignoring your messages and calls. You were just worried about me, and I ghosted you. Then you were rightfully angry when I continued to ignore you. Then I did a full 180 and started calling and messaging you nonstop, which was probably very annoying. I'm sorry. If I get a chance, I will tell you everything that has happened to me since our drive upstate. Jessie did not move for several minutes. Eventually, she wiped tears from her eyes and sniffed her nose. Carson grabbed a few napkins and offered them to her. Thanks, she said as she blew her nose and dabbed her eyes. I just don't get it, Carson. I thought we were on the same page. I was certain you cared about me more than... I thought we were, you know, moving forward, but now I just don't know what you want. I messed up, big time. I was selfish. I realized that I was prioritizing my job over every relationship I have, been doing it my whole life. I convinced myself that being the best investigative journalist was all I wanted in life, but I was wrong. All the time I spent with you, I was more myself than I ever allowed myself to be before. I miss my partner. I miss my friend. I miss you, Jesse. Jesse took his hands in hers and looked into his eyes. She really wanted him to hear her. Don't you dare leave me like that ever again. Don't just leave me in the dark. Carson, I was so scared. You didn't tell me anything, and then I didn't hear from you for days. 
No messages, no calls. I went to your apartment and there was police tape over the door. But you know what the worst part was? It was when I would see you through this window, just walking to and from work like I didn't exist. She started to cry again. It really hurt. Carson squeezed her hands tight. I promise I'm not going anywhere. I will never leave you again. Jessie wiped her eyes again and looked at him. I forgive you, Carson. I'm still upset and might be for a while, but it won't be forever. That's totally fair. And you will make up for making me cry in public, you know, she said with a slight chuckle. Carson smiled back at her. I'll do anything. Jessie stood up and grabbed her used napkins. Cook me dinner tonight and tell me everything. I can do that, but we need to do it at my grandparents' house. On the train ride, Carson told Jessie about Harold Gardner's death, seeing Isaac at the crime scene, his suspicions about the electrical fire, and his cryptic warnings about trusting her. He told her about the article he was writing when he went to Harold's funeral, and the pictures he took, and how a wreath got him a suspension. She was surprised to learn about his encounter with Isaac, and was now starting to question if they should trust him, and was seriously starting to doubt his chances of taking the leap. She really liked Carson's grandma. She taught them how to cook her famous chicken pot pies as they got to know each other. While the pies were in the oven, Carson took her to the storage room and pulled a bin towards him. He started showing her things that belonged to his mother. She really was beautiful, Jessie said as she looked at a picture of her hero. Yeah, she was, Carson agreed. He turned the pages until he found the picture he had seen earlier. I was looking through this book and saw this picture, and I asked my grandma who this guy was. She told me that it was my mom's first husband. I didn't know she was married before my dad, so that was a shock. Anyway, so I asked her what his name was, and she told me it was Reggie, wait for it, Stewart. Reggie Stewart. Stewart? Jessie grew more and more excited. Had he figured it out without the journal? Mom became Kelly Stewart. Carson handed Jessie one of his mom's notebooks. She flipped the names to be taken seriously as a writer. Stuart, Kelly. My mom found the leapers. My mom's journals led us to this point. Jessie gave Carson a big hug while they laughed in excitement. She knew Carson did not fully understand yet, but she was over the moon happy. They could get her plan back on track. While her mind raced trying to figure out what their next move would be, she asked, What are you going to do? I found instructions on how to apply, Carson said. She could tell he was conflicted. To him, the Leapers were a mysterious secret society that may have killed his parents, but it was a chance to get those answers and get closer to them even after their deaths. Carson explained how he found the instructions inside the journals he found at Beckham Manor. I haven't actually read them yet myself, he said. His face lit up with excitement. I'll get them. When he returned, Jesse took his hand and gave him a reassuring smile. Ready? she asked. Ready. Carson began reading the instructions out loud. Burn these instructions when complete. 1. Write an eloquent letter stating who you are and why you deserve to join our order. 2. Provide a list of your extraordinary deeds. 3. Seal the letter and list in an unmarked envelope with wax and a Roman coin. 4. Place the envelope inside the top cover of a leather-bound Bible. 5. 
burn these instructions and use the ashes to dye the petals of a red rose black. 6. Place the black rose on page 29 of the Bible. 7. Leave the Bible with our brother John Watts. 8. Complete all of these steps before midnight on the first day of the month. 9. Leave the area at once. If you stay behind or try to watch it, you will not be selected. 10. Await further instructions. The order will contact you if you are chosen. 11. Do not reveal any secrets of this order, including these instructions, or you shall be named an enemy of the order. Enemies of the order shall meet an early grave. Are you going to apply? Jesse asked. I don't know, he answered. He looked conflicted. I wasn't technically invited to apply, but I don't think my mom was either. Look at me, Jesse said as she placed her hand on his cheek. This mystery is your family history. Your mom was involved in ways you never knew, and your dad was connected somehow too. This is how you get your answers. As unsafe as it sounds, I think you have to do this. January 31st, 2020 Jessie was not able to help Carson much with his application, so she kept her distance, offering to help whenever she could. She was excited to see him on what would be the very last day he could apply. He walked through the coffee shop doors, holding a red rose, and had a big smile on his face. Nice, you got the rose for your application, she said as she gave him a hug. Actually, this is for you, Carson said as he handed her the red flower. Mine's in my bag. Carson, that's so sweet. Jessie said with a huge smile on her face. She gave him a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. Thank you. He stayed for lunch and then departed. He had asked her to go with him to apply, but she pointed out that the instructions forbid it, and she made up the excuse of a family function, making her unavailable to hang out that evening. She did not hear from him until he was setting out to submit the application. She asked him what he had done with the instructions page. He told her that he had burned it. That was it the final step she was able to help him with. He would apply, she would present his case one last time to the order during their February meeting, and hopefully Carson would be allowed to take the first test at the end of the month. Jessie couldn't help herself. She had Nigel drive her up to the church. They parked across the street, and she ducked down to avoid being seen. She saw Carson approach and talk to some homeless people about a block away. What was he doing? She glanced at her phone to check the time. He's got plenty of time, she told herself. Relax, he's fine. She watched as he entered the church gates and set a book at the feet of John Watts. She was grinning from ear to ear as he left without so much as a glance back. Yes, she thought to herself. He did it. As a wave of relief washed over her, Nigel put the car in drive. Isaac watched his computer screens with intrigue. He navigated the security cameras across the street from Trinity Church and zoomed in on Carson as he left a book on a statue. What are you up to now? To be continued. 